When is the trade deadline this year? I gotta look it up. This is such bad radio. Thursday, February 6th. What in tarn it? The 2021 trade deadline, Google. Why would you give me, you know what, forget it. It's coming up soon. Sorry I asked. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Not to start the show on a low note, um, although then we have nowhere to go but up. I had a very underwhelming weekend. Did anyone else experience this? I don't know if it was the weather. I don't know if there was something in the air, something in the water. I just, very underwhelmed. You know, you expect the weekend to be everything you dreamed of and more. And, oh, time off is going to be great. I got bored. I think the most exciting thing I did this week was go cover a high school basketball game, which I haven't done all year. I got to go cover a lacrosse central game last Thursday night. Was it Friday? One of the nights. I think it might have been Thursday. That was the most entertaining thing I did all weekend. And I watched a lot of sports. Watched a movie or two. Like, I, I tried. I don't know what it was. I just... A very underwhelming, very boring weekend. I'm almost glad to be back at work today. And, of course, I'm glad to be doing this show. Always look forward to doing this show. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. There was no shortage of sports this weekend. I just... I don't know what it was. I'm glad to be back at work today. This is a very underwhelming weekend. Maybe I set the bar too high. I think that was it. I was too excited got let down. We do have a lot to talk about today and it's a lot of it's a lot of random stuff. Uh our friend Thomas texted the talk and text line about 5 minutes ago right before the show started. He said, "Grant, what are we talking about today?" And I started telling him a couple of things. I was like, "Wait, 1 2 3 4 5 6 7." Yeah, just a bunch of a bunch of random things. Unfortunately, no NASCAR today. That's the one thing I forgot about. I'm just not I'm not very much an expert. I watched a little bit yesterday. Nothing came to mind. No blazing opinion, no hot take. So we're going to do just about everything but NASCAR, everything but the kitchen sink today, including a little basketball, a little football, no baseball, weirdly enough. We're actually weirdly not going to talk about the Brewers. Brewers and NASCAR are the two things we're not hitting today. If you want to get involved, if you want to jump in the ring and share your opinion and yell at me or agree with me, whatever, whatever, you can do You can do either. You can do both. 608-796-2558. Send me a text uh, or you can tweet me as well at Wisco Grant. Uh, I was I was very snarky yesterday on Twitter during the the Badger game and the Bucks game, and I'm I'm sorry. I don't know. It was a very underwhelming weekend, and I think I was taking my frustration out on my Twitter followers. So I apologize for that. If you want to tweet at me during the show or anytime, you can find me at Wisco Grant. I, I want to start with just yesterday, um, not with any one particular game or one particular team, but I just want to start with yesterday. I can't explain it. But for the first time since the Super Bowl, I felt like I was missing football. Like there was a hole in my heart or in my brain. Wherever football is, whatever part of the body it's, it, it lives, there's a hole there. And I could feel it yesterday. More than I have the last couple of weeks. Like I went fishing early yesterday morning, early Sunday morning. And I got home at like noon, one, and I just I didn't know what to do with myself. I kept going from my bedroom to the living room, to the kitchen. Just nothing was doing it for me. Nothing I watched on TV was doing it for me. And I, I was very bored. I was without football. And NBA games started at 2.30. So I only had to wait about an hour and a half. It's ABC matinee season, by the way. It's an exciting time of the, of the NBA season when you get the weekend matinee games. Mike Breen, big time announcers, on national TV. The weekend matchups are always great. So we've reached matinee season, which is great. That helps ease the loss of football just a little bit. We had the Badgers play at 6 yesterday. The Bucks played at 8. So overall, not too bad. We had an interesting mix of games yesterday and an interesting mix of results. Let's talk our way through the day. Talk talk our way through a couple of these games and just BS a little bit. The first game of the day uh, was Celtics-Pelicans, which on paper, uh, I mean... I don't find the Celtics that interesting. I find them entertaining because I like cheering for them to lose. But I don't I don't find their combination of players to be all that exciting. The Pelicans, I at least like watching Zion. And there's some young, exciting players. Brandon Ingram is interesting. So, all right. 2.30, I got nothing better to do. Quite literally, I mean that. I had nothing better to do. The snow had started, so I was done with my outdoorsy stuff for the day. So I sat down, started watching Celtans, uh, Pelicans. Yeah, Sel- the Celtans game. The game started as a dud. Like, it seemed like the game was going to stink. It was like a 20-point game at halftime. 
like, oh, great. Now I really have nothing to do if this game turns out to be a dud. And then the Celtics were up by 24 in the third quarter. But then, 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 those pesky Pelicans, as us Bucks fans know, those pesky Pelicans, they came all the way back and they won in overtime. In over, they came back from 24 down, which later it was announced on the broadcast. That was the biggest comeback in New Orleans franchise history. I don't know if the Pelicans have an illustrious, deep, rich history of, of comebacks. I don't know. But anytime you set a franchise record, you know, it's impressive. Even if it's Orlando Arcia, who now leads the Brewers in franchise home runs in the postseason or whatever. You can tell there's just not a huge history of postseason performers. Consistent repeat postseason performers for the Brewers. Right? Some of those records are not quite as impressive as others, but still a franchise record for the Pelicans coming back from 24 down. And I tweeted about halfway through the fourth quarter. I said, yeah, uh, not having football stinks, but watching Boston blow a 24-point lead almost almost makes up for it. Like, I'll watch any Boston sports team blow a 25-point lead, especially the Celtics, who I just, I just have a distaste for the Boston Celtics. I don't know what it is. I, I feel like the NBA media and NBA fans, we just... We just carry water for the Celtics, and we want them to be better than they are. And they're just they're really not that good. They're, they're just okay. They're 500, right? They're the Bucks, but they don't have a super superstar. They have Tatum, who everyone wants. Hey, he'll be an MVP one day, okay? Maybe if he plays for 30 years and improves every single season. Yeah, he might. You're right. Yeah. So I was missing football yesterday, but this helped a little bit by the fact that the Celtics blew a 25-point lead. That being said, and it's, it's funny that we're talking about football, that kind of felt like a football game. And if you watch this game, especially the end, especially the fourth quarter and overtime, it took forever. It felt like a football game. The final two minutes in overtime took like an hour. Every other play was reviewed and there were challenges and blah, blah, blah. blah. It it took forever. Like me and my roommate sat down to watch the last minute, um, or I got him into the living room to watch the last minute. I said, hey, good, good finish. Get in here and see this. And he sat down. He was doing laundry. He's like, okay, I got a minute. And then 45 minutes later, when the game actually ended because the final minute and overtime, there was a review and it felt like a football game. Constant stoppage of play and the referees were grouping up. Felt like a football game. And you could tell that the officials were being active because Celtics media yesterday was just, oh my God, it's awesome. Bill Simmons tweeted this. Sounds like a political tweet. Bill Simmons said, the never-ending replay reviews freaking suck. Come on, Adam Silver. Get control of your sports. This sucks. In all caps, Bill Simmons, who like never tweets. Keith Smith, um, who we've had on the show, he's a friend of the show. Not a, not a good friend. I think he's a one time guest during the bubble, and he tweeted this: another review because we put all, we all put on the TV to watch the effing refs this afternoon. This is ruining what should be an enjoyable game. Do something about this at NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tweet at him. That'll be good. Get control of things. Like. A couple of reviews in overtime of one game means the whole sport is broken. I love sports fandom and how everything's an overreaction. I absolutely love it. And before we move on to the Badgers, because that's the next game I want to talk about, one last laugh at the Celtics. I just like, I just like really, really enjoying the misery of the Celtics. And they have made so many, they've been on the wrong side of so many moves the last couple of years. I mean, think of it. They trade for Kyrie. That goes terribly wrong. They underperform and they end up losing him for nothing. They sign Gordon Hayward, gets immediately injured. That goes as poorly as it can go. Then they could have traded him for Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. Instead, they just let him go to Charlotte or, yeah, Charlotte, and keep their $28.5 million trade exception, which they have yet to use. I don't know really who they're going to use it on that'll help them this season. So that's a loss. They let Terry Rozier go and instead pay Kemba, but Rozier's looked way better. Kemba's getting paid four years, $141 million. There's no way he sees the end of that deal in Boston. They've already tried to trade him. Kemba, by the way, yesterday... 5 of 21 from the field, 1 of 12 from 3. Couldn't hit the broad side of a barn in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Just felt good. One last laugh at the Celtics. Had to do it. Had to go there. Let's talk about the Badgers. Northwestern and Wisconsin played last night. And I'm not going to lie. I'm always honest to you. I only watched here and there. Watched moments when I was doing things around the house. I was not locked into my TV. Eyes locked on the screen. I was watching it in moments here and there and keeping up with it on Twitter. And It's Northwestern. The Badgers won 68-51. It's, it's Northwestern. What have we talked about for weeks? Wisconsin will beat the bad teams, and they will lose to the good teams. Northwestern is 6-14. They are a bad team, and the Badgers beat them. What is new? Grass is green, water's blue, and the Badgers beat a bad team. That's nothing new. 
right? The Badgers, to be fair, the Badgers had no way of impressing me yesterday. It's not like they, they let me down or they disappointed yesterday. That, that game just wasn't an opportunity for them to, to impress. It's like, oh, beat up your little brother. Okay, okay, sure. You're not going to get a trophy for it. Like, there, there was no opportunity for the Badgers to impress anyone yesterday. It was a lot more of the same of what we've seen this season. And that's why the AP dropped them two spots. They dropped from 21 to 23, despite the win. Right? So everything I said last week about the Badgers, everything I said about the week before, just take that, copy and paste to this game. Yeah. Won by, what, 17? 68-51? Nice. You beat up on Northwestern. You can beat the bad teams. You lose to the good ones, at least up until this point in the season. They have a couple more opportunities. They get uh, Iowa again albeit on the road, and then they got a shot against Illinois next weekend. So they have opportunities to get a big win. They just haven't done it yet. It's feeling less and less likely the more games they play. I feel like we got this team figured out, and yesterday just proved us correct. It it kind of uh, locked in what we already knew about the Badgers, at least a little bit more. Yeah, beat the bad teams, but they have yet to beat a good one. All of that being said, I just want to make sure before we move on, because I want to talk about the Bucs too, we are all firmly firmly planted on the Jonathan Davis hype train, right? Like, there there are no doubters left. There are no defectors. Now, I was on this in November. Well, I was on this three years ago. But, like, I I understand some of you a little bit more uh, hesitant, a little bit more hesitant to buy in, and that's understandable, right? It's a lacrosse central player. We don't really have great memories of Kobe King. I know we have mixed opinions of Kobe King out there. We don't need to get into that, but some of you might have been hesitant. We're we're done with that, correct? we're, We're good on Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis did a little bit of everything yesterday. 12 points, which is fewer than only Demetri Trice, who had 13. He was our leading scorer. But Johnny Davis also had three steals, a couple assists, a couple rebounds. Does a little bit of everything. And sure, he's limited offensively right now. He's three of eight yesterday, which is weirdly one of his better lines. He's had some pretty bad shooting nights. But I'm okay with him being limited offensively. I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Because right now, he is forced to fit and meld and play alongside Brad Davison and Demetra Trice, who are ball dominant, to defer at times to Nate Reavers, Aleem Ford, who, and Mike Potter, who are all upperclassmen who've been doing this. So as a freshman, even though his offensive game isn't there, he is being forced to mix and meld and fit on a team and to do the little things. And in the coming months and years when he is freed and it'll be his turn to run the show and they're graduating a ton of players, so it'll be his turn soon, he'll have the little things already figured out. And it'll just be working on his offensive game. I weirdly think the progression of Johnny Davis, Jonathan, excuse me, from this year to next year, I think it's a good one. I think he's learning important skills right now that will help him be a better player, yes, but also a better teammate on hopefully a game that can win some, or hopefully a team that can win some games. Do you get my point? It's okay. He's having to learn to do other things other than just score right now, which I think is important. I think that's important. That's a good thing. Now, last game, uh, Bucks-Kings. This was the forgotten game of the day. Is at 8 p.m. and after the nightcap of the Nets and the Clippers, which we'll talk about too before the end of the show. And I hate that this is the forgotten game. These are my two favorite teams. I love the Bucks. The Kings are my my side squeeze, my side piece, if you will. They're my Western Conference team. I love this matchup. I think it's fun. I think it's Brewers Diamondbacks, two very very similar teams in opposing divisions or opposing conferences. Brewers and the Diamondbacks, they've always felt very similar to me. I feel the same way about the Bucks and the Kings. The Bucks have had more success recently, but both, you know, historically teams that have gone through some, some really rough stretches. As much as I love this matchup, the game, the game stunk. This was a turd. The Bucks won 128-115. The game stunk in a good way. Great for the Bucks. Bad for a competitive game, but great for the Bucks. And Drew Holiday was back on the bench, I think, which was a great feeling. You could almost feel the excitement from Giannis and Middleton. I think they were a little bit more lit up, a little bit lighter. This pandy, the pandemic is doing weird things to us. Um, I called my grandma on Saturday and she had just gotten her first COVID shot. Now my other grandma's had both, but this grandma had yet to get her first. She got her first and she, she could not, I could hear the smile on her face when she was telling me about it. She was so excited. She was just bubbling, wanted to tell me everything about it and how happy she was, yada, yada, right? I, I, I weirdly feel like Chris Middleton and Giannis they haven't got vaccinated yet, but like having Drew Holiday back, that's, that was weirdly like an uplifting presence. You could almost feel that watching the game last night and then listening to them talk to the media after the game. And it was a joy last night to watch Giannis. He had 38 and Chris Middleton had 32 and they both played really, really well. And it was a joy to watch the Nassis too. The Nassis onto Dekumpo, Giannis's little brother. 
I, I don't know what his story is. I, I don't know what his future in the NBA is, but I will give him credit. He impacts a game one way or another when he's in there. When Thanasis enters the game, you realize he's in there. You notice he's in there with energy, with a big play here and there, with so- something. He does not make his presence not felt. Like, remember the Tony Snell game where he played like 30-some minutes and literally didn't record a stat? No turnovers, no rebounds, no assists, no blocks, no points. Like the 0 0 0 0 game for Tony Snell. Thanasis is the opposite of that. He doesn't go into a game without making some sort of impact. And that's what I noticed about Thanasis last night, too. Best moment from the weekend, however, with the Bucks, and I want to play you this and then go to commercial, is when Giannis realized and asked in his postgame presser that uh, Matt Velasquez former beat reporter for the Journal Sentinel and friend of this show is no longer on the Bucks beat and he asked about it. This is amazing. We'll check this out and then go to commercial. This is Giannis asking, where did Matt go? Uh, but I got a question. Uh, while I was asking the uh, question, I thought about what is Matt Velasquez? What is he? He's got a new job. Man. He He's got a new there. job. Yeah, yeah. He left us. Yeah, his, uh, his wife is uh, going to be a doctor, so he was supporting her. Wow, wow, I can't believe. So he, in the Indianapolis, so he left us without saying anything? Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, he said something to me. I don't know if he said anything to you. Damn, Matt. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were closer than that. Okay. I'm sure he's heartbroken. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show rolling on my name is grant bills on twitter at wisco grant and bill michaels i guess he's now kind of my co-worker he's on the network just tweeting an absolute bomb uh journal sentinel columnist tom silverstein told me that the packers in his opinion won't be in the jj watt market bill your buds with tom silverstein i need to befriend a packers beat reporter we're gonna keep serve with the bill michaels show hey to be fair i don't I don't name drop. Try not to name drop. I once met um, Paul McCartney. I went to a concert with my family, and Paul McCartney, we actually got to meet him after the show, and he said, hey, Grant, don't name drop. It's a bad habit. So I do my best not to name drop. That's advice I got from Paul McCartney. Bill Michaels saying, hey, no, 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 on the, on the J.J. Watt market with his buddy Tom Silverstein. We're going to talk Packers. The reason I bring this up, we're going to talk Packers coming up in about an hour at 530. We really didn't talk about the cuts that they made last week. Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey, we've talked about the possibility of the Packers making cuts, but not the cuts themselves. Big, big difference. So we're going to talk Packers and uh, what the team looks like and the difference now, minus Rick Wagner and minus Christian Kirksey after last week. Even if we can't find a a renowned, respected Packers beat reporter with which to do so. Right now, we're talking about the NBA. We're talking about the Bucs. And by the way, you can join. Text me, 608-796-2558, as Thomas has done, as Bob has done. Bob says, do you think Goody will trade up to get the quarterback from North Dakota State? Might be a diamond in the rough like Wentz. If Brian Gutekinds does that, I am, I'm going to go back to school. I went to UW-Lacrosse, as did Brian Gutekinds. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get a degree from a different university. Because if he makes that move, I don't want to be attributed in any way. To Brian Gutekunst, if he does that. But we are going to talk just a little bit of football, college football, coming up, Bob. So you're you're looking into the future here. Appreciate your text, 608-796-2558. Long day of basketball yesterday, and we were talking about a couple of the different games. The one game we didn't talk about may have been the most consequential game of the day, and that was between the Clippers and the Nets last night. Brooklyn ended up winning 112-108. to We didn't get to this at the start of the show. Mostly, I was trying to focus as much as possible on our Wisconsin teams, but... We also just ran out of time. Like, we had to, got to take a commercial break somehow, sometime. So the, the Nets and the Clippers were the, the game that got left off. The Nets beat the full-strength Clippers, and they don't even have Kevin Durant. The Nets are now 20-12, and 12 and very much an obstacle for the Bucks to overcome in the Eastern Conference. A dangerous obstacle, in fact. I don't know if the Bucks can get past the Nets. I'm starting to think they cannot. The Nets have now won six in a row. Five in a row on the road. They went at Golden State, at Sacramento, at Phoenix, at the Lakers, at the Clippers. 
I wish they would have went to Utah. That would have been a fun. I wish they could have sprinkled in an at the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City just to really. I mean, that would have been a, a true murderer's row if they would have stopped in Salt Lake City and won there as well. But nevertheless, six in a row, five in a row on the West Coast. That's a really, really impressive road trip. And all of which happened without Kevin Durant. I like the Bucks. I like the Sixers. And I, I detest the Raptors, but I respect them and think they're a good team. I don't know if any of these Eastern Conference teams are beating the Nets. I I just, I, I don't see it. And I, we hear a lot of common arguments against the Brooklyn Nets. Right? Like, oh, I don't take the Nets seriously. Oh, they, uh, there's only one ball. It's like, have you been, have you been watching these games? I, it's, it's a dumb argument. And it's a cliche argument that gets used a lot on sports TV. Because people got to fill time and, you know, cliches, good way to fill time. There is only one basketball. Yes, correct. That is how the sport is played. But if you've been watching these games, James Harden is averaging 11 assists per game, right? And his usage rate is at 26%. That's the lowest it's been since Oklahoma City. So the idea that Harden is racking up assists because he always has the ball in his hands, that's just not true. His usage rate is lower than it has been since he was on the bench as a member of the Thunder with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant long before Golden State, long before Houston, way, way back in the day. That's the last time his usage rate was this low, and he's still averaging double-digit assists. In fact, his true shooting percentage is 69% over the last four games. So his usage rate is low. He's not dominating the ball like he has in the past, and yet he's racking up assists and shooting an insanely great number because he's effective even with the ball in a limited capacity, as is Kyrie. He's been working off the ball very, very well, finishing around the rim and hitting shots here and there. All Joe Harris does is play off the ball. Don't worry about Joe Harris. And Kevin Durant fits with anyone. Kevin Durant became a seamless addition to a team that already had Draymond Green and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. The idea that there's only one ball, it just doesn't work. It doesn't matter. This Nets team is so, so good. Landry Shamit is on the bench. And they got DeAndre. DeAndre Jordan might have had his best game as a member of the Nets this year including hitting the go-ahead tip-in shot with, I don't know, a couple seconds to go. This team is really good, and I like the Sixers mostly because I love the player that Ben Simmons is becoming, and I really, really think Joel Embiid has, you know, hit a new high level in his career. But that team against this Brooklyn team, mm, I like the Bucks, and I'm excited about their potential if and when they ever get Drew Holiday back and they, and they start melding as a team. But I, against this Brooklyn team, mm. And I like this. I like this Raptors team too. They're they're very good, but there is a ceiling on the Raptors. I think there's a ceiling on the Bucks. I think there's a ceiling on the Sixers because they don't have Kyrie, Katie, and Harden all on the same team. And I think there's a chance the Nets add someone in the bio market. Maybe they get Andre Drummond, right? Maybe they get a, a Dwayne Dedman type, somebody to be big and and to help out DeAndre Jordan. I don't know if Andre Drummond would be. I think Andre Drummond might create more problems than he solves. A lot of people like to rip on the defense of the Nets. Yeah, they're not tremendous defensively. They're never going to be the best team in the league. But over this winning streak, the last six games, they're 21st in defensive efficiency per 100 possessions, which is basically the equivalent of Packers fans saying, we just need to be top 15. Yeah, that's probably the same with the Nets. If they can be 20th or better, and... They, they accrued that number. They earned that 21st def- uh, defensive efficiency ranking. Without Kevin Durant on the floor, Kevin Durant's their best defender. So the one ball idea, uh-uh. The, the idea that, that defense is, is going to stop them at some point, no, no, not if they're healthy. This Nets team is the prohibitive favorite to win the East right now. The Bucks have a huge issue. The Sixers have an issue. The Raptors have an issue. The Celtics just aren't. <laughs> the Celtics just aren't very good. That's the Celtics deal. They're just not very good. Same with the Pacers. But the Nets are that team. And I enjoyed watching them yesterday. I've enjoyed watching them. And I will stop enjoying them. And I will get no more excitement and entertainment out of watching them the second the Bucks have to play them. That's when I will turn on them. <laughs> and look to insult them any way I can. That's how I will handle the Brooklyn Nets, by the way. You see how complimentary I'm being right now? I'm playing up their defensive efficiency per 100 possessions and you know, Harden's low usage rate in comparison to his true shooting percentage and his assist per game. Like, yes, Nets, Nets, Nets. As soon as they play the Bucks, I'm going to hate him and I'm going to be angry. That's how it's going to happen. Let's take a break. I want to talk a little bit more about the Bucks. I want to talk about Giannis and something really awesome that I saw from him last night. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this.
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope your week is um is off to a good start. I'm taking grief from the wrestling community because I made a mistake about last night's elimination chamber. I called it the torture chamber and was quickly corrected. And I appreciate those who reached out to correct me on the talk and text line 608-796-2558. And then I spoke with a coworker over the commercial break who was in the neighboring studio, big wrestling fan who had to give me a little lesson on exactly what the elimination chamber is. It sounds very, uh, forward thinking it is a chamber and people are eliminated until there is one person remaining my kind of thing 608-796-2558 monty texts in grant have you ever worn and shown off a pair of oshkosh bibs i have not monty should i am i missing out on something there probably i have carhartt bibs it's more of a more of a classic vintage look they're pretty worn out they got some holes coach wench says because post play is a lost art Coach Wench, I don't know what that is in reference to, but yes, post-play is a lot starts. I agree. Schmidt texts in and just simply asks Kyle Guy, question mark. Yeah, Kyle Guy got some run last night for the Kings. I think he was the only player in pot. He was. He was plus 11 last night. There was no other King that was better than even. Daquan Jeffries is plus zero. But Kyle Guy, was the he was the lightning rod for Sacramento last night. In garbage time. Yeah, Kyle Guy getting some run. Alert everyone. Alert the NBA League Pass fans. Appreciate the text. 608-796-2558. Twitter is always at Wisco Grant. If you want to tweet me, follow me. Get involved with the show. Uh, can we do six more minutes of NBA talk? I, I just sense that some of you are itching to talk Packers or Brewers or or really anything else. We are going to talk Packers coming up at 535. Specifically two players that they cut. I believe it was on Friday, and we just didn't have time to get to it. Um, Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey. So we'll talk about that coming up in about 10 minutes. So if you're not an NBA fan, bear with me for about six more, and we'll get to football on the other side of this next break. The biggest story from the NBA this weekend is from the team that is never a story, and that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. They canned their coach. They fired Ryan Saunders. Just brutal. Minnesota native, son of Flip Saunders. Probably kills him. And I don't mean that, I, I mean that like it must, that must sting. That would stink. But, you know, as bad as I feel for the guy, right? That's what professional sports coaches do. They are hired to get fired. They'll get another job, get another chance, right? I feel for the guy and it stinks. The Wolves have the worst record in the NBA. They're the bottom seed in the Western Conference at 7-24, and 2-8 and eight in the last 10. So things just weren't trending in the right direction. What's sad though, and why I feel for, Ryan Saunders, other than just getting fired, no one wants to get fired, is that Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Malik Beasley had only played a combined 103 minutes under Ryan Saunders, and they were actually pretty good in those 103 minutes. So I don't know if he ever had a chance. Like, I, I would have liked to see him at least play out the season. They're tanking anyways. Who cares? But once again, such is the life of a coach in professional sports, and they wanted to get a jump on hiring their next guy, which is Raptors assistant Chris Finch. When I, when I wrote up my notes earlier, I said David Finch, and then it wanted to autocorrect to David Fincher. And I thought, I better double check I have that right. Chris Finch, not David Finch or David Fincher. I've never seen this before. I've never seen a team in professional sports, period, let alone the NBA or the NFL or any specific league. I've never seen a team fire their coach and then hire the assistant off of a staff in the middle of the season. Now, the Raptors don't want to block Chris Finch. Like, you have an opportunity to be a head coach. Go do it. But is that odd? And it seems kind of shady, too. Because Ryan Saunders is let go. And then when within an hour, the team announced, hey, we're hiring this guy. Who they must have been talking to and in communication with. Which just stinks. You, know, you, don't, want to, you don't want to do all that behind your coach's back. It's a cutthroat league. It's a business. But it's traditionally... Not the way things have been done. It's an unwritten rule of sorts. But as someone wise once said, and I don't remember who it was, the person who first breaks an unwritten rule has a huge advantage. And that would be the case if the Wolves said, well, we're not going to wait. Screw that. 
Right, screw the norm. Screw what's polite. We're going to fire our guy and get him now before somebody else can. Which, they got their guy. Which maybe wouldn't happen if they waited until the offseason. It's just odd. I've never seen it before. Can we just talk for a moment about Glenn Taylor possibly being the worst owner in the NBA other than Robert Sarver? Robert Sarver's just cheap. The Sarver family's just cheap. It's not like they it's not like they don't live in a nice market. Phoenix is a great market. It's warm. I'd want to live in Phoenix if I was an NBA player. My grandma lives there. I could go see my grandma on the weekends, have a nice home-cooked meal, and spend time with her. Who doesn't want to play in Phoenix? And yet, the Sarvers don't want to spend. But think about it. Everyone who leaves the Timberwolves has succeeded in one way or another. Tibbs is now at the Knicks. The Knicks! It's not like he went to the Golden State Warriors and lit it on fire. He's actually viable as a head coach of the Knicks. The Knicks are the, the, the opposite of viability, and he's working out okay there. Jimmy Butler went from Minnesota to Philly, where he was pretty good, but then he ended up in Miami, and he's really good. Besides the point, he left Minnesota, and things immediately got better. Wiggins, to an extent, has gotten better, and unlike Tibbs or or Butler, Wiggins did go to Golden State, which has been just a well-oiled machine. So I I don't attribute that all to the failure of Minnesota and and all to Golden State. I mean, he just went to a better situation. But I, I wonder if Minnesota buys out Rubio. Bucks could use him. That's what I ask. He could use a backup point guard. Take DJ Augustine. I, we don't need the DJ Augustine minutes. The Bucks commentators last night were just fawning over DJ Augustine and what he brought to the starting lineup. You know what he brought? Four points on two of ten shooting, zero of five from three. They need a backup point guard. So if the Wolves buy out, if the Wolves buy out Ricky Rubio, I'm I'm here for it. All right. Thank you for bearing with me. If you're not an NBA person, let's talk Packers football. I want to talk about the cuts they made. The future direction of this team, Brian Gudekinst, all that. Kirksey, Wagner, out. Let's talk about it next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, rolling on. Appreciate you hanging out and tuning in. And I hope your week is off to a great start. Mine certainly is. But that's because my weekend was so underwhelming, as I've explained uh, a couple of times since the show started at 4 o'clock. On Twitter, you can find me, Grant Bills, at Wisco Grant. And if you'd like, you can text or call the show, 608-796-2558. We're about to talk Packers, if that interests you. We got a call over the commercial break from, let me see here, I have caller ID up. Military Vets Pack, P-A-C. I wonder who that is. Probably wanted to yell about the draft. Or offer me an extension on my car's limited warranty, one of the two. Probably both. Everyone's mad about the draft, so probably both. We're going we're gonna to talk backers. You can text or call if you'd like, 608-796-2558. I love the NBA. Don't get me wrong, and we spent a lot of time on it today, but I want to talk some football today. We're going to talk Packers. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to talk about Peter King and his four ideas for where Deshaun Watson should be traded. It's in his Football Morning in America column this morning um, through NBC Sports, and it is interesting. It's not well-received by the general football landscape. Oh, these are dumb. These are outrageous. Who cares? They're hypothetical trades. Let's get weird. We're going to get weird coming up in about 15 minutes. But I want to talk Packers. And no, I don't want to talk about J.J. Watt. Don't call me and text me about J.J. Watt. Don't tweet me about J.J. Watt. I'm not going to block you, but just know the sentiment would be there. I can't. I don't want to do salary cap stuff today. I want to talk about these two cuts. And we mentioned this briefly on Friday, but the Packers cut Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey. Not unexpected. I imagine there will be more cuts in the coming weeks or months. I don't really know when these deadlines are. I know there's a a June 1st deadline. And I don't know what it means, but I just know there is a deadline on June 1st that relates to something with the money and the contracts or whatever. So I don't know what the timing is, but I imagine we might see Dean Lowry released, Preston Smith, Devin Funches. Heck, probably cut them all. And that's what Andy Herman alluded to when I talked to him last Friday. If they cut Rick Wagner, Christian Kirksey, Dean Lowry, Preston Smith, Devin Funchess, and they are on their way to doing so, they're still over the cap. So they got to make some moves. The easy moves are just to release the guys 
who can be released without leaving huge dead cap hits behind. Christian Kirksey was a good candidate for that. This cut saved the Packers six million bucks. And I don't know what to think about Christian Kirksey. I don't know what I don't know how to feel about this. We barely knew him. He missed five games, but other than that, I'd say he was all right. I think he was a component of the defense late in the season that that led to the defense's improvement. Right, Darnell Savage started playing pretty darn good, and Adrian Amos maintained that really good play. Kenny Clark really turned it on, and I think Christian Kirksey might have just started to feel at home, which is a huge bummer because as soon as he felt at home, then Kevin King had to turn into a gourd, and now it's the offseason. Made a few plus plays here and there. He had a pick against, was that against the Rams? No, they didn't have a pick against the Rams. Was it the Titans or the Bears? One of those final regular season games. So now they're moving forward with Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes. And I think they'll they'll probably be fine at inside linebacker. I don't want to freak out about inside linebackers. This will not be the show that freaks out about the Packers inside linebackers. This is something Packers fandom likes to do. And I've been guilty about it myself the last couple of months because we all watched Tampa Bay play so, so good down the stretch and in the postseason and everybody talked about Devin White and Levante David and these inside linebackers and I talked about it too. I remember when uh, we had Eric Eager on before the NFC Championship game of Pro Football Focus. I, we were talking about inside linebackers. We were talking about and then we related to the Vikings with Barr and Kendricks and the Niners with Greenlaw and Warner. There aren't very many teams in the league that can boast one, let alone two elite inside linebackers, and Tampa was one of them. And I think because we saw Tampa and saw them be so successful and how that defense was just dominant, and we thought, okay, my, my team needs one of those guys. My team needs a Brian Erlacher traditional inside linebacker. Now, Devin White and Levante David play a little bit differently. It's kind of a new generation of inside linebackers, a little bit faster. right? Brian Erlacher was a little bit bigger, a little bit more lumbering. I think a lot of football fans' minds, we started to go wild. It's like, well, maybe inside linebacker is the next big thing. And I've seen a lot of folks who have mocked the Packers in the first round to take an inside linebacker. And I got to say, I'm not a fan of that. Also, I've seen mocks with running backs in the first round. I am not a fan of that. That will lead me to have an extra drink on draft night come April if they take a running back in the first round or an inside linebacker. The inside linebackers, appropriately enough, that we were talking about it, they're the running back of the defense. Inside linebackers, Blake Martinez is example. A, B, C, D, E, F, all the way to Z. He is the the poster child for this concept. Inside linebackers are the running back of the defense. They're mostly a product of circumstance, right? The, The defense is mostly driven by pass rush and by coverage. And Tampa's Super Bowl win and their dominant defensive performance here and there in Green Bay, but especially wire to wire in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, that was about their ability to rush the passer and hold coverage on the back end. That was the impressive part. They were able to stick with and and cover Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Now, they dropped some passes, too, which was, you know, undoubtedly, that's the leadership of Tom Brady at work. But also the the defensive front, Pierre Paul and Vita Vea and Adamakin Sue and Shaq Barrett. It's about the front and it's about the back, the coverage and the pass rush. Inside linebackers are nice, but Devin White and Levante David were allowed to play free and allowed to be playmakers because they didn't have to assist in coverage. They didn't have to assist in the pass rush. They could just be themselves. They could just vibe. And that's when Devin White is great and Levante David is great. But that's not possible if the defensive line stinks and if the coverage stinks. Then most of the time, you're just going to see Devin White and Levante David be exposed in coverage, which didn't happen because they weren't asked to hold up in coverage because the front end and the back end did their jobs. The Packers need to beef up their defensive front, and they need to beef up their secondary, preferably both, before they worry about the running back of the defense, which is the inside linebackers. I Kamal Martin's fine. Uh, Chris Barnes is fine. Like that, I can I can be on board with that inside linebacking core. Now I'd like some depth. I'd like a couple other guys, but you don't need to spend a first round pick of that position, and you don't need to do what the Giants did, which is spend a, a big chunk of your cap on an inside linebacker like Blake Martinez. You need the support system. You need the rush. You need the coverage to allow your inside linebackers to do their job. And when the Packers do that, sure, draft all the inside linebackers you want. But you got to eat your meat and potatoes before you can uh, have your dessert. And the inside backers are the dessert. So I I get why they would move on from Kirksey. I understand it. I get it. It stinks. I wish he could have hung around. I liked watching him play once he got healthy and once he really started to feel comfortable. But such is the business. Let's talk about Rick Wagner, too. 
The Christian Kirksey cut saves the Packers six million bucks. Wagner saves them four and a quarter, four point two five million dollars in twenty twenty one. It's been reported that he might just retire, which understandable. He got to play a, a great last year as a member of the Packers, almost make a Super Bowl in his home state. All right, you see, he might just retire. The one thing I won't stand for on this program is Rick Wagner's slander. I won't have it. He did everything I think the Packers could have asked of him this season. He played in every game. He started 11 games, including the postseason. He played 63, almost 64% of the Packers' snaps. Moved around. He was versatile. He was a perfect backup for the price. Right? Yeah, he was bad against Tampa Bay. But he was elevated higher than he should have been. He was asked to do too much. Packers need to plan for circumstances like that rather than hoping that Rick Wagner, of all people, can hold up one-on-one against Shaq Barrett or Jason Pierre-Paul. 608-796-2558. Our friend Brett. Brett, are you enjoying the Packers talk? I, I was hoping you might give us a ring. The what talk? The, the Packers talk. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. It's all right. We just need to clear a little bit more space. Sounds like uh, they are working on a Rodgers contract. Really? It sounds uh, like. Yeah. Where did you Where did you hear that? Um, I don't remember where I read it today. Uh, you got an uncle that lives in Green Bay. Somebody close to the situation. No, something like that. No, 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 no. I got a Packers beat guy, just like uh, <laughs> Mr. Bill Michaels. Spoon Tom uh, Silverstein. <laughs> yeah, no, but I I don't trust that guy as far as I can throw him because uh, I I well, I don't know. I, we'll see what happens with JJ, but uh, it sounds like, uh, according to to JJ himself, uh, he can't figure out where he wants to order through Uber. So therefore, it's going to take him a little longer to decide a team and city he wants to go to. Yeah, I feel that. Give him some time. Let's let him breathe. Let the man yeah. breathe. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just broke up with his ex. So he did. He was, he was dumped. Well, I guess it was a mutual parting of ways, but still painful. Right. You know, there's still a lot of history there. But at least, you know, our, our Bucks and Badgers got a, a couple little wins. That they did. Um, and Johnny looks good. I think next year with, with Wall and, and Jonathan Davis and, and Jordan Davis at that point, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's going to be a good start for the Badgers. And now let's see if we can uh, get some five-star recruits. Yeah, and I'm I'm all about the five-star recruits. And, Brett, I'm all about your skill to just seamlessly tackle all of our teams just very quickly like that. And I appreciate the call. Unfortunately, I got, I got to move along. We do have to take a break. And I, I appreciate everything you brought up because people forget that Jordan Davis is there too. So once he is al- allowed to play alongside Jonathan, his brother, that's only going to I- increase uh, the power of, of the Davis brothers. And they're going to be fun to watch. I agree. J.J. Watt. Here's the thing about J.J. Watt, and this is the last thing I'll say about it today because Tom Silverstein did drop a piece, and Bill Michaels Bill Michaels is boys with Tom Silverstein. We were talking about this earlier in the show, name-dropping him on Twitter, making me look bad, Bill. I don't have a source close to the situation. Said the Packers aren't, aren't in on J.J. Watt, which, of course, they're not. Every Packers writer and Packers cap guy has said the same thing for the last month. Well, if he's willing to take a veteran minimum, maybe, but otherwise, no. Hire me on the Packers beat. I can write a column that says that a different way every single week for the rest, for the rest in the off season. I can do that. Yeah. And I appreciate you you calling in Brad. It's nice to hear from you and and thank you 608-796-2558. Before we move on, I want to talk about Peter King's column about Deshaun Watson just cuz it's interesting, really for no other reason. Rick Wagner gone, Christian Kirksey gone. I, I, I don't like seeing the Rick Wagner slander. I don't think what happened in the NFC title game is his fault. I, I think the Packers failed to put into place systems to compensate for a tough offensive line performance, right? The Packers need to plan for circumstances when their offensive line struggles. They didn't really seem to have a plan. And I think a beautiful example of this is our radio station where I work. We have a couple of stations, team of uh, of people who work on the business side, people who work on the on-air side, and we have two engineers and they're superheroes. I don't know how they do it. They make everything work, mostly because I'm an idiot. If the mouse doesn't work, they need to help me with it, right? They're, they're impressive people. It, we had a power outage on one of our stations this weekend. Just bad luck. It happens sometimes. And they had to come in and fix it. And they had all of these things that they had to work on way over my head. But instead of trying to construct a radio station that never fails, right? What our engineers have done and what engineers do at every radio station, they put into place systems to help out when things go wrong, right? We have an alarm system. If something happens, 
There's an alarm that goes off in the building. Alerts get sent out. I get one on my phone. They get one on their phone, right? And they can even log into their house on their computer and control things remotely. How slick is that? And they do that. They have that option because they know that at some point something is going to happen. Lightning strikes something. Uh, something overheats. Something is going to go wrong. It always will. And that's why engineers, they have, they have you know, connections at home to fix things. They, they have everyone's number, right? They have precautions in place. An offensive line will always have issues. Always. It's a weak link system. If one guy gets hurt, that scooches him over here and him over here. And now the defensive coordinator has weakness to attack. An offensive line will always have issues. Always. No matter who you sign, no matter who you draft, you will never be able to build a 100% infallible offensive line, which is why a smart general manager doesn't aim to build a perfect offensive line. Instead, aims to build a pretty darn good offensive line and also puts precautions into place in the event that that offensive line will have issues. Not if, but will, like David Bakhtiari getting hurt. Right? That's why you have an extra wide receiver to who can get open quickly to keep the offense moving along. That's why you have a head coach that uses the running game. Oh, okay. Now we're now we're seeing where the problem arose in the NFC title game. Right? You you draft an extra running back in case one of the Okay, we did that too, and that didn't work. Cool. You're seeing the issue now. The issue wasn't Rick Wagner. It was the team's inability to plan and to execute, you know, those backup strategies in the event that the offensive line will struggle, which it always will. Always. Plan for it. Don't try to avoid it plan for it. It's like inclement weather. It's going to happen. You just need to be ready. Don't cross your fingers and hope that it won't happen because then you'll get caught with your pants down and you'll lose at home in the NFC title game when you're favored. Now I'm in a bad mood. We need to take a break. I want to talk about Peter King's salacious column this morning. I didn't realize football fans were this stirred up about it and the Vikings were even in on the action. How would the Vikings get to Sean Watson? Well, you know what? I'll tell you. Coming up next, my name is Grant Bills. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, final segment. Appreciate you hanging out. My name is Grant Bills, and today's show's been a lot of fun. If you missed any of it, uh, maybe you missed it on purpose. <laughs> but if you uh, missed out and you want to catch up on what you missed, you can find the podcast at WKTYsports.com, WKTY mobile app, or yes, hashtag wherever you find your podcast. Wherever, wherever podcasts are sold, you can find it there. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Our friend Drew tweets in and says, Hey, Grant, listening to the show, thoughts on Badger commit Chucky Hepburn. Oh, um, you mean Chucky Hepburn, 2021 point guard. Um, 60160 from Bellevue, New England, New New Jersey. What's NE? Am I an idiot? I think I'm an idiot. That's Rivals.com. I know nothing about Chucky Hepburn. If we ever have to talk recruiting, there's two people we go to, Drew. Always. Evan Flood who is a folk hero in this state among college basketball fans and high school basketball fans alike, including student sections everywhere. Or we talk to our friend Zach Heilprin. I'm just always looking for an excuse to talk to our guy Zach Heilprin. We haven't had him on in uh, two and a half weeks or so. I think later this week we should talk to Zach. We should really hype up and preview the Illinois game. Like That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell Zach, you need to come on on Thursday, and we're going to break down every angle of this Illinois game because it's at home, it's at the Kohl Center, and the way I see it, this is the Badgers' best opportunity to get a huge statement win going into postseason. So I, I think we should just hype this game up beyond reasonable proportions, and Zach will help us do that. And you know what, Drew? While he's on, I'll ask him about Chucky Hepburn just for, uh, just for, just for fun. Last couple of minutes, and I want to talk about Peter King who is just known, like Skip Bayless, for his salacious journalism. (laughs) He's known for the opposite. His Football Morning in America column from today. Want to trade for Deshaun Watson? Here's what it might take. I clicked on this like a sucker. I would love to trade for Deshaun Watson. He threw around a couple of ideas. Teams that could be in the mix. Carolina, the New York Jets, the Niners, and the Niners, and the Vikings. Vikings fans, sit up straight, lean in listen a little bit more closely. Let's look at some of these 
possibilities, which I've been told on Twitter by the masses today, they're garbage. They're garbage ideas. I, I don't know. I'm just here to learn. Peter, Peter King says for Carolina, a seven for one deal. Whee! Christian McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, first and second round picks in 2021, a first round pick in 2022, and a third round pick in 2023 in exchange for Watson. Wow. Houston might also push for the 22-year-old pass rusher, Brian Burns. Remember him? Draft mates with Rashawn Gary. That would be a haul, but Carolina would get their guy, and he'd back back in, in Clemson country, which would be pretty cool. The New York Jets idea, a six-for-one. Sam Darnold, Quinn and Williams, first-rounders in 2021 and 2022. Seconds in 2021 and 2023. Okay, so a little bit more pick-heavy, uh, fewer players, but the Jets have fewer players to offer, so that would make sense. The Niners, um, let's see here, a seven for one as well. Garoppolo, Fred Warner, Mike McGlinchey, first, a second, and a third. Now, they should trade Fred Warner. We talked about this. Inside linebackers, have Fred Warner go to go to Houston and make not an ounce of impact because there's no coverage behind him and there's no pass rush in front of him. If Houston creates, hypothetically, a trade package for Deshaun Watson based around an inside linebacker, well, actually, that would fit perfectly because that's something Houston would do. So that trade seems actually really realistic. Don't don't make the player return an inside linebacker. No, because by the time the rest of the defense is able to showcase a great inside linebacker, said inside linebacker will be gone or retired the way that Luke Keekley was in Carolina. Okay, this is the trade that most interests me. The Niners and the Vikings getting in on it. And I will read it almost verbatim because I don't want to lose track. The Vikings send Kirk Cousins to San Fran. The Niners send Garoppolo to Houston. The Texans send Watson to Minnesota. In return, the Niners send their first round pick in 2021 to Houston. Is that it? Oh, the Vikings would send linebacker Anthony Barr and running back Alexander Madison plus their first round picks. Okay, well, here, okay. Once again, theoretically, Deshaun Watson to Minnesota is fascinating. If they built a trade package around Anthony Barr, Alexander Madison, and picks, it's highway robbery. I don't, I don't care where the picks are. I don't care what is it. If Houston does a trade for Deshaun Watson and all the Vikings have to give up is an aging inside linebacker who has been exposed recently because the pass rush and the coverage hasn't been as good. We have a central theme to today's show. Are you picking up on it? And a, and a backup running back. A running back. The Vikings should do that eight days a week. Rick Spielman should do that eight days a week. Now, they'd have to give up picks too, but you have Deshaun Watson. He's going to cover up for that a little bit. The Vikings roster has some young, exciting weapons. They have their offensive core. And if they draft another wide receiver this year, which has been bandied about, they get real fun. Now they'd have to repair their defense, but they can do that in the later rounds of the draft. Mike Zimmer has shown the ability to find corners and safeties later on. He can do it. They'll figure it out. I hope they don't because that would be bad for the Packers. But you know, what are you going to do? Alexander Madison and Anthony Barr. Not, they don't even give up the good linebacker. They give up the other guy. Give up Anthony Barr. Oh, that's geeked. Well, tomorrow, we'll be back to talk about it all. No Bucks game, no Badger game tonight. Bummer. We'll have to find something else to talk about. Same time, same place tomorrow here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then. Bye.